We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022, the Players' Championship. Research, early picks, first look into everything. Reminder, this is the kickoff to Players' Championship Week, which means we have the research show. Tomorrow, we're going to have the DraftKings pick show. Monday, me and Feinberg with the bets. Tuesday, me and Rick Gaiman, player by player breakdown of every DraftKings player in the field. And then, boom, Wednesday, noon Eastern time, me and Tambo and you and your questions will be live at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. So, Stay tuned for all of that. Plus, rate, review, and subscribe to the audio podcast. If you ever miss anything, get it in your headphones. And boom, download it off Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those rating and reviews. And please, sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube for the most extensive Players' Championship coverage you're going to get. Additionally, when I do my walkthrough today, fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off. That means you can do all your own research, generate all your own lineups, use the simulator, look back at course history, and really get in-depth on the course. Plus, I always should suggest that you subscribe to the free email. That's in the description, as is the Listener's League link for the Pat Mayo Experience Rake-Free DraftKings Contest 5,000 spots. This week. Is it going to be available the moment this is released? Maybe is where I'm at with that right now. I do not have the link in my possession as of yet, but it should be down there. If not, check back tomorrow or just in a few hours, then I should have it. Enough of me. Let's jump into TPC Sawgrass. And normally what I do is go through the field, jump over to Fantasy National, look at the stats, but this is the quote unquote fifth major, although there's only four majors, so that actually doesn't make any sense. Either way, it's a gigantic tournament, one of the highest paydays of the year, so we need to get boots on the ground. Someone who has walked this course, who has caddied at this course in the past. We have John Ratshouse of the Caddy Network. Thank you for coming on, my man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah, so you can follow John on Twitter if you have any more questions, at 
rat house and that's not with the u-s-e at the end no it's the german version of r-a-t-h-o-u-z or z if you are international like myself and however you want to pronounce it so let us know what's it like being inside the ropes at sawgrass and i guess my main question is someone asked me this on the live chat show at bay hill is course history doesn't matter here right yeah, I mean, it's one of the coolest golf tournaments around anybody that's listening that ever has a chance to go there. I highly suggest it. It's a great week. The players are really accessible that week. There's less crowds. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, inside the ropes, it's a great walk. It's a really difficult golf course. Does course history not matter? Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, uh, but I do think you need to come in either confident in good form or have that mental edge that uh, is kind of above average compared to the rest of the field. So we're looking at the same course as we have always seen. TBC Sawgrass, 7,256 yards, a par 72. You can make eagles out there. The reason I say that course history doesn't matter as much here is because you're going to look through almost any player in the field, and they're going to have like a T4, a T8, a win maybe, and then like three missed cuts. You can miss the cut so easily here, it feels, with just one bad shot. Absolutely. There's a lot of trouble out there. Um, you know, I was also looking, if you look at, you talk about history, I was talking to a caddy that's got a win out there at the players. He's got a, a, a number of rounds logged out there. We were talking about the difference between May and March players. Now it's been in March here for a handful of years, and it's a significantly different time of year, the way the golf course plays and stuff, uh, much slower golf course. He felt like it was much more open to a variety of players to win and play well versus in May, when it's a little bit faster, the Bermuda is more prevalent, maybe zeroing in on a more like clearly world-class player uh, to capture the win. So I, that even played itself out at the top of the leaderboard last year. Obviously, Bryson made his late charge, almost got there. Justin Thomas gets the win. But Lee Westwood was hanging around for a while. Personal favorite of mine, JT Poston. I thought he was going to make a run. He didn't. He ended up coming T22. Couldn't even cash my top 20 bet on JT Poston. But that is a just complete, like, the spectrum of different types of players. What actually matters at this course? Because last year, no one really gave Bryson much consideration after what he did at Bay Hill, trying to drive power fives but he scaled it back off the tee he wasn't going balls to the wall on the power fives sure but he was hitting irons off most of these tees yeah you kind of have to out there just the way the golf course is designed you need to have a lot of discipline out there you're always matching like kind of how where you have to carry a point with what the through number is matching the wind out there as well so you have to gear back on a lot of these holes you do get some advantages on the two par fives on the back side not so much on the front, but you've got to keep the ball in play off the tee. And, you know, these guys that play major championships all the time know that, that, you know, if you're not in the fairway or, or, you know, trying to be in the fairway, then you're going to have a tough time coming to these greens. There's a lot more going on out there uh, than just a normal tour stop. So if you're not in the water, obviously, if you, if you miss it left, you shank one into the water, you're about done. There's so <laughs> many blowups at this course. What's the rough like out here? Because it doesn't seem to be that bad for, as opposed to like what we're going to see like at Bay Hill last week. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's playable. They want you to have to take on shots out there. It's a little bit thicker maybe because of all the overseed, not as much pure Bermuda, but you know, you're going to lose spin control when you get in the rough, but you can definitely get a club on the ball. You can advance it up on the green, but then what's cool about it is you get offline. Now you're kind of finding some of those little nooks and crannies that Pete Dye is famous for and really testing your short game out. 
So do you think that if we talk about correlation courses with Sawgrass, like I just kind of look at common winners and where guys have won in the past and maybe it's an overseed type thing or maybe it's a TPC type deal, but the Wyndham Championship and the Players' Championship have had a lot of crossover throughout the years, as has TPC Scottsdale. Obviously, Webb has the win here. Hideki has always really played well at the Players' Championship. We've just seen a lot of that. Is there any reason for that or is that just happenstance? Yeah, I would say on the Sedgefield one, you know, you've got kind of the Bermuda grass factor uh, and you're also out there laying up a lot off the tee. So you're kind of having to to leave more of these nine, eight, seven irons in. Uh, the one at Scottsdale is interesting. I think from just a scoring perspective, you know, guys that make a lot of birdies, but that keep bogeys off the card because there's consequences out there as well, too. So, you know, you need to keep moving forward, have some hot rounds, but you can't, you know, make a lot of bogeys and doubles and all of a sudden, you know, you're turning a 68-67 into a 71 and losing ground. Or you can just do what Webb did a few years ago and just make everything, and then it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, and his caddy, Paul Tesori, knows those greens better than anyone. It's really interesting. I don't know if you have a thought. I mean, maybe it doesn't pertain as much specifically this week, but it's been interesting to follow the, the no greens books, uh, you know, out there this year. And so that'll be a little bit of a factor, uh, you know, at the players this year too. Do you think that you've seen it impact certain players over others? Cause like, honestly, I, I hadn't even considered that of why certain guys maybe aren't putting to their regular averages. Like Daniel Berger has been horrendous on the greens and that's someone who's been a really good putter for the past three years. And you know, the calendar flips, we got a new season and all of a sudden he can't putt anymore. Is that small sample? He'll turn it around. Or do you think this might be playing into it? No, I think it's playing into it. I think when you look at specific guys, there's some guys that have kind of fallen back. There's some guys that maybe it's cleared their mind up and they've moved forward. If you look at the field as a whole, probably not a huge difference, but I think you can kind of find some specific guys and see that it's kind of impacted them a little bit. Now, I think, you know, as the year goes on, they're going to figure out new routines and, and get better at it. But, but I think it's been a factor. If you had to come up with a prototypical type of player, for this course that you think would have at least the most consistent success, not necessarily win, but someone who's constantly going to be in the mix for years. It was like Molinari Molinari, mm. although the putting was always going to be a struggle for him, his tee to green game and what he did well, hit a ton of fairways. His long irons are really good His wedges are even better. And his chipping was, you know, so, so too good. Uh, but then he would just miss every three foot putt, but consistently he was always kind of lingering around leaderboards for five, six years in a row. And then his career kind of blew up after he won a major and he's like yeah screw it i don't need to do anything anymore at least i assume that's what happened with him nowadays it strikes me that at all these florida courses when you have so much water in play and accuracy is at such a premium that there's very few of the very top end players that are going to be able to hit driver and be accurate they're gonna have to scale back and that only leads me to one guy and i feel like the honda classic would have been perfect for him which means i think he's going to be perfect for this course now that he has a few rounds under his belt of experience isn't morikawa kind of the ideal player for this course (laughs) he was a guy that came to my mind too (laughs) And I was thinking back to, to last year, and he he was last year, did he not play because he was injured maybe? I mean, I think he's a great guy. I mean, he's good anywhere, right? But a guy that hits a lot of fairways, a lot of greens, and then his mental edge, you know, he's the best mental player currently on the PGA Tour. It's not even close. And and that's when you look at closing this tournament out. I mean, you there's some nice list of guys that have finished second and third at this tournament. But when you look at who wins this thing, it's most of the time world-class players that are on their game at that point in their careers. So Morikawa, he seems like a pretty sound pick. 
It's just you always have to rely on his putter to show up, and that happens once every four events. At least when it does show up, he like puts the lights out. It's like, do you find that's the case with players? Because we talk about spike putting a lot, and like Zalatoris was a big point of contention this week, is that he had lost strokes putting in six consecutive events. But the the events that he does gain strokes putting in he's not gaining a stroke putting he's gaining like five so either he knows how to read these greens or he doesn't that just seems to be the coin flip that some of these guys go through yeah i do think there are guys that you know excel on certain set of greens more than others um you know and and it's hard it's it's really a tough stat to track you know and as a caddy every week you know you're wanting your guy to fill it up and some weeks he doesn't have it now there's guys that are really good putters and then these guys that struggle it's the week that they kind of you know, make a lot more that all of a sudden they hit. So you you can get it done at the players with ball striking. There's a lot of, um, you know, putts available out there. The greens are really nice. So, you know, if you get a hot putter, it's interesting. You see a lot of separation at this tournament too amongst the winners. You get a lot of like three, four, five shot winners. And I think those are the guys that are having that super hot putting week. You got to take care of the par fives out there as well. And we've seen a lot of very poor chippers do well at this Mm. tournament is that because of the shaved greens and you can putt from off the green yeah maybe a little bit i mean that that's a good question on the chipping i i i don't know i don't know why that is i don't really have a great answer for that pat yeah like i i just i it's funny like you look at martin keimer obviously he won the pga championship uh was it 2010 then he won the u.s open at pinehurst and pinehurst is kind of the same way Mm. is that it's not really a built up rough around the greens it's just all shaved off areas and if you have to you can just take out the texas wedge and get it going i saw morikawa tried to do that a little bit a year ago at heritage where it's kind of the same thing and he couldn't really do it and he had Stuart sink playing alongside of him that's all he was doing and putting it to like two (laughs) feet every single time it was incredible like hey you know what i my short game is not great i'm just gonna putt from wherever i wish there was a way to quantify that like is there anyone that you can think of off the top of your head who actually excels putting from off the green versus chipping it oh wow well i nobody in particular but you always got to look at those guys that grew up playing links golf those more european players that are really good with the putter off the green um you know so those guys just they grow up doing it more so they're more comfortable doing it it's a little trickier when you get on bermuda grass because there's you know grain that's a little bit more of a factor than over on the other side of the pond but some of these courses are so well manicured now they they cut these things so tight that you can roll the putter through there pretty well is there anything else about sawgrass we should know or at least you need to tell the people before we deep dive into the stats um yeah i mean i think we covered a lot of it you know i i think that pete dye factor is a real thing uh you know we saw that you know, with uh, your boy Siwoo a number of years back, um, you know, and and I think if you have some long iron game on these par fives, you're really going to get rewarded, uh, you have some more eagle looks and stuff. Um, but I think just all in all, it's just these guys that, that roll really well in the all around game. I, I was really proud of myself last year. I hadn't handicapped many of these tournaments, but I was all over Brian Harmon last year for some reason. I, and he just stood out in the all-around ranking. You know, doesn't do anything great, does a lot of stuff good. And, and he excelled last year, almost won the thing. So, you know, you got to look at those guys that, that can do a lot of it. All right. Let's jump into the stats before we get out of here. John, can you tell everyone what you guys got planned at the Caddy Network this week? Yeah, the Caddy Network. I mean, it's a great place. Come follow us, you know, on, on all the social media feeds. Uh, we're doing interviews 
winning caddy interviews. We're doing preview interviews with caddies that are there that week. Um, you know, we have a cool podcast that I host, the Under the Strap podcast. So the episode dropping this week is with uh, Mark Karens, really entertaining guy who won with Siwoo back there in 2017. So we got a lot of cool content hearing from all the caddies on tour all the time and just caddies in general. John Rathouse at Rathouse on Twitter and the Caddy Network. You should go follow and check that out right now and check into the podcast. We're going to say goodbye to John. And now we're going to jump into fantasynational.com. Do our research. If you want to follow along with me on the screen, obviously you can watch it or just become a member at fantasynational.com right now. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo. And you can see all the same stats that I'm seeing. Let's get to it. And here we are. The DraftKings pricing is actually already out for the Players' Championship, loaded up into Fantasy National already. We can get a head start, although I think everyone and, you know, their cat, their dog, if you didn't have a 6-6 six six at Arnold Palmer Invitational, you were probably doing something wrong. I think 48% of the field ended up with a 6-6, six of six, something crazy like that. But for the Players' Championship... It is 144 players, top 65 in ties, end up making the cut. PGA Tour comms actually did Taylor Moore, just, they did him dirty on Friday night. They announced him as the last man in the field. You can see that even put him into the DraftKings system. However, he is not in the field because they forgot to add Henrik Stenson in uh, because of his Open Championship win like eight years ago or something like that. Former players winner as well. But Stenson is actually the last man in the field. Taylor Moore has been bumped to the fourth, the first alternate. If you're looking for Ricky Fowler, uh, he is not currently in the field. He would need seven players currently in the field to withdraw in order to get in. Uh, some names that we're not going to see. Harris English is obviously injured. Phil Mickelson is not playing. Whether or not uh, the tour influence say, hey, Phil, why don't you sit this one out? I don't think that we're going to see Phil again likely until the Masters, even if that maybe he comes back and plays Valero the week before. I would still think that's pretty unlikely, though. Uh, Jason Day and Bryson DeChambeau both withdrew from the Arnold Palmer Invitational. They're both in the field currently for the Players' Championship, but you know, we're going to see how that ends up going. I spoke about it with John already when it comes down to the course itself. Um, and we can just get a deeper look into what this course kind of demands. Uh, it, it's everything. You can attack where this course is so short, just over 7,200 yards as a par 72. Uh, you can kind of attack everything. If we sort by the yardages, you can see the most difficult holes are these longer par 4s uh, from 450 to 500 yards. Uh, they're all of the hard holes on the course, except for number 8, the par 3, which is 237 yards. But you need to make bank on these par 5s. Uh, they're the easiest holes on the course uh, and you can make eagles on them uh, if you if you hit it right number 16 obviously going to generate the most uh, number two should donate a few to the pot as well uh, i spoke about prize picks last week when it came to hole 15 we're not getting anything in their hole 16 sorry now that was like free money on day one and they stopped offering it because i think we all took them for a bit too much money uh it, it was amazing between rick and i i think we tried to pump out as many as possible of the 15 players they had listed 13 of them hit their under so that was great but we're not seeing the same sort of birdie or better influence this week as we did any of the par fives last week. So eagles are available generally on holes 16 and hole two, but it's not as high as you would probably think in terms of birdie or better percentage. And that just has to do with all of the water around this course. And when I spoke to John about the 
bad nature of tournament history here? And can you really believe it? Uh, I think it's actually tough to kind of go in and believe. As you can see, like John Rahm has played, you know, he's progressively got better every single year at this course. And it's funny how through two rounds, I'm recording this before the third round at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But just all the heat has been on Rom. Obviously, he missed that 10-inch putt and, like, how crappy he is. He's still, like, T20 or something like that going into the weekend. Uh, when Rom is playing poorly, that's how good he actually is. So you know, we're not going to be stunned when Rom just absolutely takes our lunch money on any of these tournaments as the betting favorite is the highest-priced guy. I'm guessing if Rory doesn't necessarily even go on to win at Bay Hill, he just ends up with a strong weekend performance right around there that – he, this is the tournament history that I was talking about. He's played well here before. Obviously, he won in 2019, surrounded by missed cuts. Again, like, so many of these holes are protected by water. Paul Casey is sort of the ultimate example, who's, like, going to be the chalkiest guy of all time this week at $7,400. Like, he has an immaculate history at the Players' Championship for someone who's never won. But, like, the consistency that he's shown over the years at the players is kind of crazy. So we type in the players. Um, you can see, you know, 10th, miscut, 23rd, 22nd, and everyone used him in 2019. And hold number 17 got to him. He went double doink in the water, and that was just the end of his week. Uh, he actually, had, you know, when you put two in the water on 17, uh, obviously your strokes gained approach is not going to be good, but he lost like over three on that one hole alone. So that was nothing. He rebounded last year with a fifth place finish. Like it's all over the map, like one or two bad shots and someone is absolutely cooked and there's no real way to bake that in. The one note that I will give you is last year, 15 qualified players cash, at least a share of a top 10 paycheck at the players. Victor Perez finished T9, but he mainly played in Europe for the season. So seven of them were top 20 for the year in bogey avoidance. Uh, seven that uh, would be Thomas, Rom, Bryson, Berger, Casey, Connors, and Lowry. And some no- notables that are currently in the top 20 of bogey avoidance at some of the longer odds, Seamus Power, uh, who could not really avoid bogeys whatsoever at API, but that's just going to throw everything. I have to stick with, with Seamus Power at this point, mainly because I said I want him to have a bad Arnold Palmer invitational and then go on to use him at the players i think this course really does set up well for him amito Pereira is another one so we just take a look past 50 rounds and go into bogeys avoided see rom Cantley. there's mito number three zalatoris is up there although and that didn't really work out too well for him either we have lonto uh, another player that should go up there. I think Cam- I don't know if Cameron Smith is going to be uber chalk or he's kind of out of sight, out of mind because he's played so infrequently so far this season. So uh, Adam Hadwin is another one who's up there. I think this is a staff that you really want to go to. I find it doesn't really have that much predictive nature historically, but for whatever reason, last year's leaderboard really correlated with bogey avoidance for the year. And as you can see, like a lot of these guys are the ones that you would think that would get up there. Uh, at $8,800, Daniel Berger, that's going to be a tough one to parse out in my mind because you're going to have like Sungjae at 83 Some of these salaries are kind of crazy. Like you can build any lineup you want, even if you want to use Rom or Cantlay. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you could stack them both together. You could use Rom and Rory and still feel pretty comfortable in the $6,000 range if that's the way that you wanted to go. Back to the tournament history for a second. Uh, let's just sort by strokes gain total. Jason Day has been the best player at this tournament over the past five years. Adam Scott, Justin Thomas. Those are three pass. It's funny because, let's see, yeah, Day has his win in 2016. Thomas has his win uh, last year, obviously. Si Wu uh, has not missed a cut in any of the past five years. He won in 2017. Dustin's never won the Players' Championship. 
but he still just consistently performs well here year over year. So there are some guys that have done it, but I just you look at someone like Webb Simpson, who's had immaculate performances. He ends up missing the cut last year. Hideki, he has the two top 10s and three top 25s with two missed cuts surrounding it. Uh, the Fleetwood, top 10, top 10, missed cut. That's not new for Tommy, though. He's been missing cuts everywhere, all over the world. So that, I wouldn't find that too surprising. Last year was just kind of a bloodbath for a lot of guys that I know that we kind of all went to. Molinari, with, even with two missed cuts, is still you know, plus 17 strokes gain total on the field over the past five years. Poulter is another one. and You can almost always count on Poulter to be doing well at this tournament. And let's see, who has top 10? Let's go look at the leaderboard last year. Uh, so you can see that there's the top, uh, the T9s, the top 15, top 16 that I talked about. Victor Perez not invited back this year. He snuck in on the number last year, too, and had himself a weekend. Uh, ditto with Justin Thomas. He was another one. Like I think he was, he made the cut by one or two and then stormed the course afterwards. You had, there was Westwood and Bryson trying to knock him down. Brian Harmon, as John pointed out, ended up T3. Casey, the Gooch, continues to play really well. I mean, these are all guys, funnily enough, too, who had played really well at API uh, when we kind of parse everything out, because Bryson won, obviously, the week before. Lee Westwood was in second. Corey Connors was in third. So with the new placement on the schedule in March, I mean, it's not new. It's been this way for three or four years now, that maybe digging deep into what happened at the Arnold Palmer Invitational is a way to go about it, because the year that Hatton won... Yeah, the players was canceled. Hideki was the first-round leader. That's one that Tim claims that ended up being a win for Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, But we see that Rory was up there. There's Johnny Vegas. Uh, He made some outrageous putt on number 17 for birdie. Uh, Jim Furyk was second that year. Furyk's actually qualified to play in this field. He has decided to take a pass, though. See, Brian Harmon is back up there, too. So he has back-to-back top tens. Before that, he was relatively terrible at this turn. Missed cuts, nothing better than T53. So, again, you kind of have to go with your gut on this uh, when it comes down to which, especially which sleepers you think. Because it's usually a top-end player, like outside of Siwoo Kim. Generally speaking, it's a top 20 player in the world who ends up winning this event. A lot of the times, it's a top 10 player in the world who ends up winning at the Players' Championship. So although you remember the sneaky guys who end up coming inside the top five or whatever it might be, it generally is one of these big guys who ends up claiming everything. So let's look at how the strokes game breakdown went last year. You can see it was just, you know, it's a classic Justin Thomas performance. You know, dominate with the irons, drive it pretty well. I mean, this was... Driving it pretty well is not a consistent Justin Thomas thing, but when he wins, the ball striking is immaculate, the chipping is great like usual, and he gains enough to matter. He doesn't need to be Brian Harmon gaining seven strokes putting. He can gain 1.6, and that's good enough for him. Obviously, that's going to be good enough for Colin Morikawa as well. If he can pull that off, that's sort of the path. You can see Morikawa last year, almost four off the tee, over three on approach, couldn't chip, couldn't putt, lost 4.3 strokes between around the green and putting. And He turns that around a little bit, all of a sudden, Colin Morikawa is going to be your player's champion. I think that he's going to win. Now, whether he wins or not, who knows? But you know, he he didn't have his A game at Riviera and still almost ended up, end up winning. So it's kind of crazy to think about that. Uh, you can, But when we think about other guys, too, like Justin Thomas, obviously he's a player's champion now, uh, has played well. It, it's Although it's a Pete Dye course, it kind of fits in with TPC Scottsdale. It fits in with the Wyndham Championship a little bit, and obviously some of the other Pete Dye courses on the PGA Tour. When we think about the Wyndham, we think about Heritage and RSM and the Sony Open, which obviously Justin Thomas shot a 59 at and won a few years back. That it, it's 
it's tough to correlate. And that's why I use Phoenix to throw into this mix, because Phoenix is the only other one of these courses that actually gets the higher end players to show up. Like no one's showing up to the Wyndham Championship. But you know who would? The Gucci Man, Brian Harmon, Siwoo, who's won the Wyndham Championship in the past. So when you're looking for sleepers for this tournament, I do think looking at Wyndham, looking at Sony, and looking at the Heritage could really help out in a lot of ways in terms of trying to identify your $6,000 guys. Like that's how I ended up on JT Poston last year. He posted a year ago, couldn't do anything with his approach, ended up coming T22, but these are the types of courses that he continues to play well at. If we're thinking about the higher end players, I do think that Phoenix is where you want to look at uh, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe it's just TPC courses in general. Uh, As John said, he doesn't even really know why. Uh, But when you look at overall crossover leaderboards this one is up there so Scheffler should most definitely be on everyone's mind we'll see how he does on the weekend uh, he's just kind of lurking around the leaderboard at, at API I think he's like t12 going into the weekend and we've seen him play well on the weekend in windy conditions at Bay Hill in the past so he's someone that could really see a spike in ownership like if we think about ownership in general coming into this week like just taking a look at the salary it's sort by salary and we can almost one for one pick out who's going to be super popular the 10ks unless rory if rory has a runaway win or vic has a runaway win they're going to be uber chalk but hovland at just over ten thousand is going to be uber chalky and then after that no one's going to use bryson cam smith could be i'm more or less looking at daniel berger at eighty eight hundred dollars obviously again if something crazy happens at bay hill and scheffler ends up winning or zalatoris mounts a comeback all of a sudden then those guys are going to be like the uber chalk but berger is someone that even though he wilted down the stretch and all day sunday at the honda i I know that he's someone who's going to be up here on this list i do worry about his putting though uh that's been a real problem uh, as we know Louis probably going to be pretty popular, but then we'll see Horschel if he ends up with another good finish, $8,100. Ditto for Scott at $8,200. Like any of these guys make a charge, that's where they're going to be. It's funny because Billy is up there. Billy Horschel, 32nd in bogeys avoided, uh, 116th in this field over the past 50 rounds and doubles avoided, but he's been playing some really good golf. I have no idea what his history is at the Players' Championship. It feels like it should be really good, but for whatever reason in my mind, it's not see yeah it really hasn't been his best finish ever here is t13 it's kind of crazy to think about so maybe stay off billy ho this week play the play the course history angle and then watch it blow up in my face when i should have rid the the great form hatton's another one pressing as is burns and you know below eight thousand dollars they're gonna be very popular uh, and then, as mentioned, $7,300 for par $7,400 for Paul Casey. Sorry. Like, that is – everyone's going to be using – everyone wanted to use Paul Casey at $8,300, and it worked out at API. You don't think that they're going to use him at $7,400 at TPC Sawgrass? Give your head a shake. That's most definitely happening this week. I do want to flip back. I know I'm jumping around here, but I'm excited to talk about the Players' Championship and try to look at the strokes gained leaderboard from a year ago. So as you can see, the top players in approach for the week, Sergio, Siwoo, Chuck Hoffman, Taylor Gooch, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Bryson, Connors, the Gim Reaper. My poor guy, Gim, really got it going bad. Nick Taylor is a pretty interesting one. I did not realize that he had finished so well last year at this tournament. 
So when we go take a look, he was T16 in Honda. He's inside, I believe he's inside the cut line. He was minus two to start the day, although that doesn't really mean anything. He's had some pretty decent performances so far this year, 33rd, 30th. 14th 16th we'll see how he finishes up this week but he's just not something who would someone who would have been on my radar coming into the week we'll see how he stacks out and that bogey avoidance uh, apparently nick taylor's not even in the field so i don't need to worry about nick taylor damn it trying to find a sleeper here sleeper or two that we can build up from the bottom uh, so that was the strokes gained approach. Strokes gained off the tee, probably Bryson. No, it was Chucky Hal. Chuck Hal the third. Oh, yeah, Bryson really dialed back off the tee here last year. It was actually a pretty good strategy for him, although I think it was the putting that really got him going last year. Yeah, Herman, Zach Johnson, Lee Westwood, Cam Smith, Bob Shelton gained all those strokes, couldn't even make the cut. Paul Casey, 5.3 strokes. Mac Hughes couldn't make the cut after gaining 5.2 in two rounds. I guess Bryson wasn't up there. How many did Bryson gain? Bryson was just kind of solid across the board. 5.1 on approach, 3.8 in putting. Who are the worst putters in the field? Who made the cut? Martin Laird, minus 5. Scott Piercy, minus 4.5. Chris Kirk. Oh, yeah, Chris Kirk was inside the top 20, and he and Gim were the ones who had the terrible Sundays. There was a T, let's see, T22 for Fratelli, minus 3. Doug Gim was T29, lost three strokes on the green. Charles Howell lost 2.5. That's why he came ninth instead of surging up the leaderboard. So, yeah, there was just a lot of chalk that failed last year. And you're never really going to get this tournament right on DraftKings um, unless you – we talked about at the Honda Classic that if you not necessarily faded the chalk, but look for those leverage plays, those lower owned plays that you didn't really have much of a desire to go to. I mean, Patrick going to Patrick Reed might be kind of crazy at a course like this because he's never really played well at the Players' Championship. But if we can find those soft points, like no one's going to use Bryson. How healthy is Bryson? I have no idea. Xander, you know, he's he's not been playing great. Uh, he, he Like, Finau and Scheffler are two players, or Shoffley, sorry, are two players that everyone historically loves going to. But that seems to be, you know, the wilt is off the flower for them. And Dustin Johnson's another one who just hasn't been playing well. We haven't seen much of him so far this season. I doubt that he's going to be very popular at 9800 bucks, and he's probably going to rate out the worst of all of these guys when you start going through them one by one by one. And at a certain point where you kind of have to embrace the variance of this course that maybe just betting on elite talent like Dustin Johnson might be a way to go. We know that although he's never won at this course in the past, he is someone who has some pretty good finishes going back to 2014. You know, 48th, 5th, 17th, 12th, 28th, 69th, 59th. So once we get to the March, uh, he's played better, obviously, in the March players than he has in the May players. He gains off the tee every single year. If he can avoid the water, you know, it's pretty good. He's gained on the greens uh, three of the past four years as well. So that's uh, that's a route that you could potentially take. We do so- sort by bogeys avoided. Once again, see if we can find a sleeper out there. There's Seamus Power, like I mentioned. He's probably going to be dropped once the Bay Hill numbers end up going in there, but it won't be too crazy. Leishman at $7,500 uh, is an intriguing play. Obviously, Gooch, uh, we see. Hadwin is one I'm going to star right away. $6,500. Hadwin has been playing much better golf. Uh, I assume he's going to end up being popular. It was bad at the Genesis. You know, that's okay. T26 in Phoenix. T16 in Pebble Beach. Uh, 25th at the American Express. It's not a big shocker that short-hitting Adam Hadwin didn't play well at the Farmers or the Genesis. Probably why he took the week off at Bay Hill 
as well. And you can see that the putting hasn't necessarily come along for him as of yet, but he's a very accurate player off the tee. We can see the irons are a lot better. He's never really had a great performance at the players, but he's won his only tournament ever in Florida. We can see that he's you know gained on the greens five of the six years. The irons have come back around. Like He's been bad basically for three years now. In the years that he was good, you know, he performed okay at the players. We're looking at $6,500 here. We need to sneak someone through the cut line. So Adam Hadwin's the first one to look at. No one's going to use Sergio because they're going to use Casey at the same price. You know, Sergio made an awful lot of bogeys. Uh, rounds one and two with the API, but he got himself through. We saw he led in approach at this tournament last year. So I, you know, I'm going to throw... Sergio onto the short list. I'll be talking all of this through with Raza and Tambo uh, on Sunday on the DraftKings Pick Show. And then Tambo and I will recircle on Wednesday for the live chat. Tigala, very good at bogey avoidance. Uh, didn't really help him out Friday at API. Ended up shooting six over and missing the cut. And Norin is someone we could potentially look at here. Hoagie, uh, who rallied to actually it was six over Thursday at Bay Hill and ended up firing a three under. He was one of the few guys who went low on Friday at API and ended up sneaking through the cut line. I mean, Kevin Na was like 48 million over par at Bay Hill. But again, that means that no one is going to use him this week. Uh, it's not been a great run for Kevin Na recently uh, when he's going to have the miscut at Bay Hill. He's going to have the miscut at Genesis, but we saw him at a shorter course at the Sony Open. And he played really well. How has he been at the players over the years? This is where we first saw him walking in putt. So it's been a really mixed bag for Kevin Na over the years. We see 78th, 48th, the miscut, and then we have a 6th, a 38th, and a 7th. So, I mean, that's back in 2012 to 2000, 2012 to 2015, but he has had those spike performances on the green. I don't know if the March Bermuda greens are you know, causing him problems, but you can see he gains on every sort of putting surface, and this is a course where he could potentially go attack. It, it does suit his game a lot better than some of it would. Well, I do want to take a break right now and tell you a little bit about FanTeam. So FanTeam is Europe's biggest daily fantasy sports provider, but the big thing that they're promoting this week is they have a season-long contest that starts at the Players' Championship. So go to fanteam.com and you use code MMN for Mayo Media Network right now and enter. So you deposit you deposit 25 bucks onto the site. Uh, we click on Golf. And we can see their giant season-long contest. It's pretty cool. So it's right here. Uh, it's 25,000 euros to in the prize pool, 5,000 euros to first place. Uh, and it's a season-long contest. And it's, you know, it's not very much. You can see it's, you know, it's, tw it's 20 euros to place. So That's like $25 American. So deposit $25 American onto fanteam.com. Use code MMN. And once you play in this contest, you'll also get a free ticket into their DFS contest for the Players' Championship as well. That's another 25 bucks. So they're big fans of the show, and I like this season-long format if you want to get into it. So it's you pick, you draft a team of 10 players uh, within a salary cap, and you play six of them each week. You get one transfer per week, so I can add in a drop. And then once a year, if let's say you get to the British Open and eight of your guys have not qualified for the Open Championship, uh, you have one wildcard where you can completely reinvent your roster for the rest of the year. Uh, you can nominate a captain every single week, and they get 1.25 points for being captain. Then your lowest price player, your underdog, also scores 1.25 times the amount of points instead of just one-to-one. 
Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, it's 5,000 5, euros to first place. It's 25, and it's available to players all throughout Canada and in like half of the states. So they have season-long contests, they have daily fantasy contests, and they have head-to-heads uh, that if you want to go into it. You play three per week, you get five-to-one odds on that, and it's just this guy versus this guy for the entire tournament. So if you're looking for new ways to play fantasy golf, I'm super big into this. You can hit the description or the link down in the description to go right to fanteam.com and download draft your season long i'm gonna play in it so come play against me we can even start uh, a friend league potentially i'll figure out how that works once i go into it um and you know, we can all play against each other in the season long contest just another thing to add on and the cool part is if you go to fantasy national you can actually click over and see that fan team is actually in the Fantasy National system. Uh, you can go check it out for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Obviously, the players field isn't loaded in yet. Uh, it's a, I believe it's a hundred million dollar salary caps. So like John Rahm was twenty three million dollars. It's all it's a salary cap based game, but you pick ten players instead of six, and you start six of them each week. So you need to think of a season long. It, goes, it runs through the Wyndham Championship, but there are necessary tools for both the daily fantasy and season long game on fantasy national if that's what you want to go into so again fanteam.com use code mmn when you make your first deposit and when you enter the season-long contest you'll get some free dfs tickets to go along to try to build up that bankroll they're friends of the show so please go support them if you support this show i mean what's 25 bucks you can just go onto the site use code mmn and go check it out play against me in a season-long contest Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security. You may as well just give away your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. So that's your computers, your tablets, your phone, even devices like Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash Mayo and use promotional code Mayo, that's M-A-Y-O, and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish, I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash Mayo. Let's run the model. The model sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, to be completely honest, for the Players' Championship has been bad. Uh, this is a very difficult one to model out. Do I have it under TPC Sawgrass? No, I probably have it under the Players in all caps if I had to take a big guess at this. Don't even know where it is on here. Where is my the? Maybe it's under the Players. That would actually make more sense. Yeah, the Players. Needs work. Yeah, real, real stunner there on that one. So here's how I have it 
parsed out right now. Strokes gained approach 35%, strokes gained ball striking 10%, opportunities gained 10%. Guys who score a ton. I'm going to add bogey avoidance into this just because that popped up so much last year and maybe it won't this year, but uh, who knows? I need to do something because, you know, I I don't want to be like Flanders dad. I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. Maybe that was his mom. I don't really remember at this point. But I do remember Hurricane Nettie. A fantastic episode. Bogey avoidance. So we'll chuck that into the mix. I'm going to get rid of strokes gained off the tee as that's already factored in in strokes gained, ball striking. Eagles gained 5%. Par 4s gained 10%. 450 to 500 is also in at 5%. Fairways gained in at 10%. You want me playing from that? I'm going to decrease that. I'm going to decrease fairways gained down to 5%. It's key, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because, like you saw, Bryson last year just took irons off the tee, so he hit every fairway. Very smart move on his part. Strokes gain, short game, so I'm going to boost that up 5%. So that includes around the green and putting. So I believe that gives me 10% or 5% to check down. Now, now, now I need to, I'm going to decrease par 4 overall down to 5% because uh, I already have the 450 to 500 increase bogey avoidance to 10% and load it in. So hopefully with this one simple tweak, the model will have reinvented itself <clears throat> Excuse me, and actually be good for the first time ever at the Players' Championship. Well, that's, we'll wait to see on that front, though. So let me guess. Rom can't lay out. Rom's number one. Rom, Louis, Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Shane Lowry is number five. Patrick Cantlay, Daniel Berger, Tyrrell Hatton, Russell Henley, Mito Pereira is the top 10. Man, I'm going to use Mito, and he's going to be so bad. Ugh, I know a lot of us are going to use Mito, and he's going to be so bad. If he's chalk, that makes him an easy fade, but if he's not chalk, like everything that I've looked at so far is really pointing to old Nito Mito. Cam Smith, I, I'm going to start Cam Smith. I'm going to be betting Cam Smith and Morikawa, I believe. We jump over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's see what their odds are. You don't want to bet this stuff right now. Morikawa is 16-1. to 1. Uh, I'll probably try to use an enhancement to get him up to 20, but I love him this week. Where's Cam Smith coming in? 25-1? to 1? Yeah, these odds are going to reset themselves once Monday morning comes along just because they're, like, unfair at the moment. Just not this many guys can be sub-30-1. to 1. It just can't work that way. Uh, so guys will drift throughout the course of the week. But I do think that Cam Smith, and Morikawa are really where I want to go to begin with. So this is over the past 50 rounds. Like you see List, who lost an impressive six and a half strokes putting in two rounds this week. Webb Simpson, I don't even really know what Webb has been up to. So he hasn't played since the Sony and was bad at the Sony, and he's never bad at the Sony. So no one's going to use Webb Simpson this year. Uh, for the Players' Championship, despite the fact that, you know, of all the corollary courses, oh, look, there's a seventh at the Wyndham. There's a ninth at the Heritage. Obviously, he's won the Players. He's won in Scottsdale. He's won the Heritage. Like, if you go in, like, the, all the correlation boxes for Webb Simpson, obviously, he completely checks out. But I have no idea what his health status is. I have no idea what his performance status is. Like, what is going on with Webb Simpson? Why aren't we seeing Webb Simpson? Maybe someone can tell me why we're not seeing Webb Simpson. Or maybe I can Google it. That's probably for the best that I try something like that. Matt McNeely, Russell Knox. So this is over the past 50 rounds. Who rates out the worst in this field? That's always fun to go look at. Haggy. Hollywood Haggy. Not great. Lucas Herbert kind of sucks here. Champ, all the guys. Anyone good that, I guess, Cam Davis and Matt Jones. See Wu. Uh, and we'll get to the die filter here in a minute. But let's shrink down the size and actually maybe look at the rolling report. We'll take a rolling report look at the custom model. Load that back in. And just see guys who are progressing up or progressing down throughout the course of the past little bit uh, and see what we get up to here. 
once that loads itself in. The, the rolling report may take a little bit longer, up to 20 seconds, because it is taking multiple date ranges and multiple round ranges and putting into a custom model. So here we go. If we look past 100 rounds, Morikawa Connors. So Connors has been getting progressively worse, and that kind of bears out from what we've seen in his results. He's been a little bit better, although he topped a ball into the water, which is what you don't normally see from Corey Connors. The ball striking has not been as elite. And we know bogey avoidance is not a real key skill for Corey Connors because he can't make a two-foot putt. Rom, Hovland, Henley. Okay, and Henley's been tracking worse, although he's playing much better at Bay Hill. Uh, Berger has been very consistent. Uh, I mean, past eight rounds, I mean, one bad tournament's going to throw that off. But as even you can see, over the past 12, he's still eighth. So he continues to rate up pretty highly. Hatton has fallen off the map, but he's been playing a lot better in Europe, which are not counted into this. So even if we go by past 12, we can see players that are improving. Alex Noren has improved drastically. 109 from past 100 rounds to inside the top 15 over the past 4, 8, and 12 rounds. Even from the past 24, he's been getting significantly better. Hoagie has been improving. Munoz, Cameron Young. I mean, that shouldn't be a huge shocker. Keegan Bradley is actually 8th past 100 rounds, ninth past 12 rounds. Do you really want to rely on that guy to make a putt? Probably not, right? Scheffler was 36 over past 100. He's someone who's actually been progressively getting better in little increments throughout the course of time. I'm throwing him on the short list as well. So we got Morikawa. We got Scheffler. We got Cam Smith up there. So Cam Smith was someone who was 26. He's been relatively neutral. He's had a bad pass four, pass eight. That sample is probably a bit too short. But even when you see pass 12, he's still 30th. Uh, Matthew Neesmith. All right. I guess I'm looking at the exact right stats for Matthew Neesmith. You can see Horschel is someone that when we sorted it by past 50, wasn't oh so great. But now we get to past 12, past 8, past 4, one of the best players in the field. So that's worth noting. Uh, Keith Mitchell is someone who's progressively gotten a lot better. Kevin Kisner had been getting better, did not perform well at Bay Hill at all. We know that Kisner is another one of those guys like Webb Simpson, though. Has played all of the corollary courses well over time. Uh, I've if you talk about Sergio, uh, that was the debut for Kevin Kisner at the Players Championship. Uh, he lost to well, he lost along with Sergio to Ricky Fowler in that playoff that year. He's never really had a great performance since, uh, and obviously the ball striking has not been immaculate recently or as recent as Bay Hill. But he's gained five of six years on the green, which is important to note, I think. Uh, and he had gained. Let's see, at the Sony he gained on his approaches. At Century he gained on his approaches. That's one round at Pebble Beach. Kind of throw that out. Was okay in Phoenix. Gained a bunch on the greens. But if the putter is back to rolling, and at these shorter courses where he's hitting his irons really well, we didn't expect him to contend at Bay Hill anyway uh, based on his recent profile. You know, he had his old profiles that played out pretty well for Bay Hill, but his recent one didn't really look all that great. Henley has trended in the wrong way over time. Uh, Spieth has been just right around where he's supposed to be. Spieth in his course history is kind of, crazy because you'd always think like hey this should be a really good course for speed and frankly it has not been a great course for speed uh in his history he came fourth in his debut since miscut 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 41st miscut 48th he has not really figured out these greens at all except for two rounds in 2019 because uh, the approach in the ball striking was amazing last year i kept using him in showdown and he kept like going bunk to bunk around the greens minus four and a half around the greens minus two 
on the greens. And maybe Spieth can turn it around. Obviously, he's been playing uh, sneakily okay so far this season. Pebble was really his one, like, you know, great performance that he had. But even in Phoenix and the Genesis, he was okay. He wasn't bad. The driving, although it looks like he's going to shank it every single time, has been a lot better than probably you'd think. I don't think Spieth gets a lot of rub this week. I don't know where I want to come down on him yet as we continue to dive into these numbers, but he was sort of an interesting one. Let's sort by past 24 rounds. And see if that tells any sort of a story. Uh, Henley ends up being second. Hoagie is up there as well. That kind of tracks with what we've seen so far in early season play. Putnam rates out number 12, or number 13, sorry. I don't know how I feel about that. I always prefer Putnam at shorter courses. Uh, Maybe this can... How has Putnam done at this tournament over the years? Because he, I believe he missed the cut at Bay Hill, or he made the cut on the number. So, yeah, at, at Genesis, he made the cut. Actually gained a bunch on approach. The driving has been really bad. For him so that is somewhat concerning because we need him he's missed the cut in two appearances at the players championship in his career i'm not too concerned at the longer courses about him losing strokes off the tee uh, because it's all about accuracy for him at this course I mean, you can see the the accuracy beyond phoenix and the genesis had been really good coming into it he had gained against the field in six straight in six consecutive events going in because if he doesn't have his accuracy here he's just going to be in the water and that's not doing us any good i could potentially see putnam being an okay play mito is probably a better play at $6,700, but we can kind of chuck him in that mix, too. Lowry, 14th over that time. Munoz continues to rate out well. Lanto at 7000 rates out pretty good at the same time. I don't know what to do with Lucas Glover. Every time I play the guy, he's like 55 over par, and every time I don't play him, he's inside the top 10. It's weird. Nah, Seamus Power is still 24th over that time. We can see him getting a little bit worse, and obviously he was a disaster at Bay Hill, but... Before that, he was bad at the Genesis. So he has three consecutive missed cuts now after his amazing run. He had only missed the one cut over that time and so many top 20 finishes. But I don't know. I, I have a feeling that he's going to get his shit together here and rebound well at TPC Sawgrass. You know, obviously, that's to be seen. I'm not going to use Hudson Swafford, although this will finally be the week that he ends up breaking through. But like, I, I just can't do it with this guy. He has been destroying me the past two weeks, sort of like EVR, that if there's water on the course, apparently he's going to find it. He's he's more concerned with hunting for Davy Jones's locker and trying to find some treasure at the bottom of a lake than he is for actually putting up a decent golf score. Not sure what to do with Neiman. Uh, he missed the cut at the Honda, but he obviously won at the Genesis. Uh, Party Marty Laird, number 30. Okay, well, we saw that he lost all those strokes a year ago. There's no one really popping up. You have Mito here, 33rd over the past 24, 9th over the past 50, but he's, you know, over the past 8, he's 18th. How is Nito Mito doing here? Puts well on Poa, uh, slightly down on Bermuda. Obviously, he's never played this tournament, but the approach has been really good. I, for the life of me, do not know if he is an accurate player off the tee or not. I'm going to guess no, and he has been the past two weeks. Uh, field average at Honda. Uh, he was good at the Genesis. Uh, before that, he had had real problems hitting fairways, but it seems like he's taken a little bit off of what he's doing. So that would be great news if he wants to continue piling that up. Oh, man, I'm going to get sucked into Vito. This is going to be so bad. Oh, that's highly disappointing. All right, let's turn off the filters of the custom model and just go to strokes gained overall, get out of the rolling report, and look at past 24 rounds because it's time, as we always love to do at the Players' Championship, use everyone's favorite Pete Dye filter. Where are you at, Pete Dye filter? At the bottom. Let me guess. Siwoo Kim, Patrick Cantlay, Abraham Answer. Answer's another one. Now, Bryson's actually been the best Pete Dye player 
over the past 24 rounds. You can see the one, I mean, you're probably not getting a lot of numbers from Crooked Stick, but Harbortown, Kiowa Island, the stadium course, uh, TPC Louisiana for the Zurich. Uh, we don't have many strokes gained numbers now that, now that that is a team event. Travelers Championship, uh, TPC Sawgrass, Whistling Straits is also on there. Uh, for the ones that are being included in this. So past 24 rounds, your best 10 players in the field. There's Brian Harmon again. Bryson, Harmon, Casey, Dustin, Adam Scott are the top five. Rom, Answer, Cantley, Webb, Matthew Fitzpatrick round up the top 10. Then you got Brooks. I actually kind of might be leaning to going towards Brooks this week. I was somewhat encouraged with what I saw at the Honda Classic. The ball striking numbers were back. Couldn't really make a putt. It's funny because we we strike him as seeing him. We, we think of him as having a really bad year so far. I mean, he's bad at the century, missed the cut at the Farmers, missed the cut at the Genesis, but a third and a 16th as well. His Players' Championship history is kind of all over the map, but as you can see, he's made the cut at the Players each of the past. I guess he didn't play it last year because he was hurt, um, but you know he makes the cut most times. Uh, he made an Albatross here one year as well. I don't know if he has the goods, but he gains on these greens like no one's business. Gained every year on the green, four out of five around the green. And if the ball striking has come back a little bit, um, well, he's a Florida guy. It would make a lot of sense if Brooks can do it. What a F you uh, for Brooks right now to kind of get off that. What are his odds right now for the players? Where are we at? Brooks, what are they What are they hanging on, Brooks? They're hanging a 35 on him right now. We might catch a 45 by the time everything kind of settles itself on a Monday morning. All right, let's see. Who else is up there? Siwoo, uh, he's only 14th now. Connor, Sungjae, Neiman, Fleetwood, Lowry, Berger, Rose, Zalatoris is up there as well. Patrick Reed is another one. Chuck Hoffman, no idea where his back is at at the moment. Scotty Scheffler still inside the top 25. Sergio, always up there. Cameron Davis, who's on a really bad run right now. Uh, you know, the Todd father. Uh, the Todd father did make the cut at the Honda. I know because I used him. I thought he was going to miss the cut. But he was bad on the weekend. That's okay, though. He's still going to hit every single fairway. <clears throat> the putting has been amazing right now. And, you know, the irons had been pretty good before Honda. You, know, you start putting it in the water a few times, and that's going to skew your scores. Never really been great at the Players' Championship, but we saw he gain 4.4 strokes putting, and the approach has been coming back a little bit. So he flips the approach, keeps up the putting, hits every fairway. The Todd father could be someone that we're looking at here who will be a bit off the beaten path, $6,800. So maybe we can get on board with him a little bit in that circumstance. So there are plenty of guys that we can kind of look for. It's going to be hard to really develop our sleeper mix this week. So if we just go to the very bottom, uh, and I do have the Pete Dye filter on still, and you can run your own custom model for this again, fantasynational.com slash mayo to go do that. And remember to go join the listeners league link right now on DraftKings. It's down in the description. Uh, 5,000 spots. We feel we're probably going to get the max $100,000 guaranteed of rake-free money for the Masters if we can fill this really quickly. Hayden Buckley, uh, the numbers like Hayden Buckley. He's a really boomer bust type of player, though. Uh, JT Poston, $6,100. I play Poston at this tournament every year, I think. Or maybe I just played him last year because I like the correlation. Obviously, he's won... Did he win the Wyndham or did he win the Heritage? You know, he's a second one. He's won the other one. Uh, he's been okay. This this rogue skate off the tee has been impressive, uh, frankly. And you can see, you just kind of need him to grind it out. Uh, the putting hasn't been good, but the putting historically has been very good for JT, the postman, and has back-to-back T22s at the Players' Championship in his career in two appearances. He's $6,100. I just think he's sort of the, the type of guy that you can – get behind in a circumstance like this. Uh, we can also, you know what? We'll try to do this before we get out of here. 
Uh, I had mentioned some of these corollary courses. So let's try to look up those. Uh, Wiley was one of them, I believe. Yeah, so we have Wiley. We're going to put in Wiley. We're going to put in where's Sedgefield. Sedgefield, I guess it would be under S, wouldn't it? Sedgefield CC. Let's also throw in Harbortown. And do we want to add anything to that? Those three might be good. Maybe we go to Seaside for the RSM and just try to max increase our sample size a little bit. What is it? Is it called Seaside? I think it's called Seaside. Where am I at here? Sandfield? Sea Island Resort. Yeah. Uh, the plantation course. No, I want the Seaside course at Sea Island. So let's just throw those four into a mix. And it's, the top guys don't play any of these events, so who cares kind of thing. So let's take a look. Do I have the peak dye filter turned off? Yes, I do. Okay, so past 24 rounds at those courses in particular. And we go to the very bottom. Who plays well at these courses? No one, really. Kyle Stanley, I suppose, plays pretty well. You can see Post is 65th uh, amongst players in the field. And he has the 24 rounds. Anyone? Okay, here we go. Who's this? Denny McCarthy. Okay, so maybe Denny is someone that we can... Ugh, I don't love that, but Brian Stewart's another one that plays well at those particular courses. Maybe it's, it'll help us out in this range a little bit. Cameron Davis, 17th at these courses in overall strokes gain total. Harold, Harold Varner III, 25th. So we're Keegan Bradley, Emiliano Grillo, Brennan Todd are all inside the top 50. Damon is someone I can probably get behind here uh, in terms of those courses. 51st overall. If we shrink that size down to past 10 rounds, maybe we can find one of these other guys who were down there too. So we're not digging back too far into time. Reverse salary order a little bit. Hayden Buckley inside the top 50 now. Roger Sloan is right around that mix. Denny McCarthy's now up to seventh. Sink. Chesson Hadley. Okay, so now we're getting the names. Taylor Moore, who's not in the field, but if he, he is the first alternate, so he probably will end up getting in. You have Lucas Glover. Charlie Hoffman is 11th in these numbers now. Varner continues to stay up there at 24th. Cooch, uh, former TPC Sawgrass winner, obviously. 31st now in these numbers. How is Matt Kuchar been playing. All right, he'd been playing like, okay, actually, no, he hasn't. I mean, let's, let's, he came seventh at the Sony. Everyone kind of bought in. That was the end of him. So maybe we don't need to use Matt Kuchar so much. Uh, Pan is someone who's played well at the Heritage and at Wyndham over the years. Not recently, obviously, but oh, 16th at Honda, 9th at the Genesis. Uh, the Panama's going to hit a lot of fairways. He's never really played well at the players, though. The Irons have never really been there. The putting has never really been there. But you'd think this would suit up well for him based on the courses where he's had success over the years. Who's that? Who's 22nd? Ryan Palmer, 13th. That's a lot of water for Ryan Palmer. Kisner, 25th. Mitchell, 26th. Okay, so now, now we're cooking with gas a little bit. We got Seamus Power, 23rd. The Gucci Man, 32nd uh, in these numbers. Okay, I think we've exhausted what we want to do here for the Players' Championship research. Once again, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself the discount to look up whatever you want. We'll have more information. The newsletter is going to be jam-packed full of great stuff every single day of the week. 
uh, for the Players' Championship. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll have updated ownership percentages, different breakdowns, key stats, everything like that. So more information throughout the course of the week. That's in the description as well. Uh, Join Substack, Mayo Media. That's completely free. You'll get sent directly to your inbox for whatever email address that you sign up with. And play at Fanteam as well. Fanteam.com. You can use that link down in the description. Uh, MMN to get that play the season-long league, get a free DFS ticket. Just deposit 25 bucks. honestly. Just go check out the site. It's pretty cool. It's a different way to do it. We can play season-long together. And that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience 2022 Players Championship Research Show. Once again, if you want to become a member at FantasyNational.com, I suggest you do that right now. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off. Remember to smash the like button. Tune in all week to Players Week. We've got DraftKings picks tomorrow, Monday, bets, Tuesday, player-by-player player breakdowns, and Wednesday, noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. Sub to the channel, by the way. You can only get the live questions in on YouTube, so you want to be subbed with your notifications on for that, it's going to be the live chat. Like I said, noon Eastern time. Plus, we have our friends and partners over at Run Pure Sports are doing showdown content Thursday night, Friday night to get you ready with round recaps and what to look at on DraftKings for the next day. Sub to the newsletter, play in the Listener's League link, and that'll do it for me. Thank you all for watching. We got more to come. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.